You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked On Lakers for Monday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Lots to get into today, Andy. We're going to open up the mailbag if we can. Uh, got some already got some questions now that uh, looking forward to next year, what team looks like and, and how things are going to play out. So we'll try to get to all that. Kyle Kuzma did himself a, a pretty interesting uh, Twitter version of the uh, Reddit AMA. Took some questions. I guess he was on a flight, had some interesting responses to those, which we'll talk about. But Andy, this is really our first chance to react to. The news of Friday, um, both the 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 uh, press conferences that the Lakers had introducing a lot of their new free agent acquisitions, not all of them, but many of them, a lot of interesting stuff coming out of that. And then the big news, which came in a late Friday news dump, the rare good news Friday news dump, Frank Vogel has an extension. Still no, I haven't seen anything on how long, but the point is he's not a lame duck. Lame duck going into uh, this season. We talked about it on Friday's episode. This is a really big deal to get it over with. Yeah, you just want to eliminate any type of storyline or concern that there could be with Frank Vogel if he was going into this year with, without that type of security. Like, you don't want to repeat of all those narratives that you had with Frank Vogel and Jason Kidd when he first got hired. And, you know, Kidd was seen as the guy that was there basically just to shank him and take his job. And it's also important too, Brian, beyond just whatever narratives can come from this or media chatter, whatever, is you don't want to see Frank Vogel's ability to coach constricted in any way because it feels like he's under a microscope. Like whether you're talking about the ability to experiment, implement concepts that could right, absolutely like they could pay off in April, but they require patience and you have to know there are going to be bumps there. It's easier to do that if you're not looking over your shoulder. If you have to make rotation decisions that could be politically different, you know, difficult, not playing certain veterans. The rotation stuff is is I think particularly critical because like the Lakers need to give themselves the space to get off to a eight and eight start, you know, a ten and ten start, which ultimately probably won't matter to them, you know. But a lot of that could come with Vogel having to go in and figure out like they this team you can put. 12 guys, different guys on the floor. Like there's plenty of depth on this team in terms of playable NBA guys. What we don't know yet is how all of those pieces fit together. And, you know, beyond just the how does Russ fit thing, the how does everybody else fit around the big three is its own like puzzle that needs to be figured out. Like you say, that could require some experimentation and you don't want to feel limited. The other thing that I think is really important here too is the Lakers pride themselves on being a team that treats people the right way, that rewards people for success, treats people like family and all that stuff. Vogel won a title with them and has coached two seasons under very different and difficult circumstances. And I think he's done a great job. I mean, obviously the title season, he was, I, I think, pretty masterful in, in button pushing and timing and all that. But last year was no piece of cake either. I think he did a great job there too. You don't it it's a bad look for an organization who prides itself on that sort of thing to let him get into this year without a contract. Yeah, there there is an element of seriously, what else does he need to do 
to solidify your confidence in them. Like at, at that point, you really right. Other than be, I guess being sort of a sexier name or you know, right. like, but I was going to say sexier that, man. I don't right. know. I, yeah, I mean, you know, in a certain light, I, I think Vogel there's looks a, good. There's you a know, lid I mean, for, talk to Mrs. Vogel. There's a lid. I mean, look, thought. is he is he prime Pat Riley? No, but I mean, few people <laughs> were. I mean, that that guy was the inspiration for Gordon Gecko in Wall Street. You know, Michael Douglas. No shortage on sexy himself. I mean, that that's a that's a high baseline. But then again, sometimes you don't even realize what sexy is until you spend some time with it. It can grow on you. Jeannie Buss has said in the beginning, she didn't think Phil was particularly hot. Like it took it took some time around him, yeah, getting to know him. Right. Like sexiness can be an essence, Brian. It's not just what's on the paper. You know, it's not just being, what's on the surface. Stop being so shallow. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so I mean, anyway, it would, it would make you think, all, all joking aside, it would make you think that Vogel having been their third or fourth choice initially is something that they haven't been able to let go of. Like right. that's, that's what it would make you think if they weren't still willing to commit long-term to Frank, it would basically be, this was never the guy we wanted to bring in. And despite this success, we still don't see him as our guy. Yeah. And so uh, the, the Lakers have removed something from the table that could have been a, uh, a real distraction. I know we use that word all the time with media. Like, is that this really would have been? It had the potential to be a massive distraction and a big problem for the Lakers. They have removed that from the table, rewarded the guy who deserved it, and they'll go in without these sorts of questions uh, hanging over them, which is a great thing. So, um, other things, and uh, we'll we'll talk about a couple of these that stuck out to you on Friday as the Lakers. Uh, introduced some of their new free agent acquisitions. Yeah, they introduced uh, Kendrick Nunn, Talon Horton Tucker, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, and Trevor Reza, and Dwight Howard, a few of those guys having been with the team before. Reintroduced, um, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, one big theme, Brian, that came up was just selflessness. Mm -hmm. um, you heard, in particular, Wayne Ellington talk a lot about that in terms of not caring about what his role is going to be. You have to be out there rooting for each other, putting the team first. That was something Trevor Reza talked about. He talked a lot about holding guys accountable. Dwight Howard got into that a lot. Obviously, Dwight was you know the poster boy for that during his second stint with the Lakers, the year they won the championship. And there have been all those doubts in particular about Dwight's willingness and ability, frankly, from a mental standpoint, to do that, given all the other stuff that had happened in his career, that was a big thing that came up a lot. Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you. I, I think this is a function this year where things may have gone wrong. One of the ways I think things may have gone wrong with Trez and Schroeder last year isn't so much like, look, both guys, let's get all sheet here, but both guys played hard. Um, and, you know, their effort on the court wasn't an issue. What I think was tricky about it is the Lakers got brought in more talent, but they brought it in at a time where those guys were still playing for important, for, you know, business considerations. Um, you know, Schroeder's been paid before, but he's in line to go onto the open market theoretically for a, a, a what he I hoped and obviously isn't going to turn out that way. Say that, to be that, a, did, I'm not saying it went well, but like he was in a place where. He, you know, the the business of trying to make a, of his marketability was an issue. Montrez Harrell, the general expectation was he could come to the Lakers, have a great year, 
opt out of his contract and sign something else. You know, oh, you so and like, I both thought he was a one-year guy. Absolutely. When they brought him in. Absolutely. Um, and, and we're fine with it. We were totally right, fine with it. Absolutely. But. And that he turned out to be a guy who picked up his second year wasn't necessarily a great result to that story for anybody in, in terms of both how he, you know, his production on the floor and for him. I think he was hoping for an open market deal. What they've done this year, and I don't mean to knock those guys because, I mean, I get it. It's I, I, I'm not even saying they're being unreasonable. But what they've done this year is they've kind of changed back to the dynamic that they had the year before. Trevor Ariza, Dwight Howard, Wayne Ellington to some degree, I think maybe could have gotten a little more. All these guys could have gotten a little bit more money. But they're all at places in their careers, these guys particularly, where – this is kind of what they are. Carmelo Anthony is absolutely in this boat. The role that they have in the league, which is basically fill something on, on a team that needs you, probably for a veteran's minimum, for as long as you're capable of playing. There isn't a giant payday waiting for Trevor Ariza if he plays well this year. There isn't a giant payday waiting for Dwight Howard if he plays well this year. It basically just means you get to keep going next year if you'd like. And they didn't do that with everybody. You know, Malik Monk is definitely in that sort of make good kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, Malik, and we'll talk, I want to talk about that in, in a few sure. minutes here. But for the most part, they have signed guys who kind of fit into that. And, you know, Kendrick Nunn is a younger guy, but he's got two years on that deal and has the flexibility with that second year option to kind of choose his own adventure, so to speak. So, you know, you can say what you want about the age thing, but here at least, in terms of signing guys to minimum deals or whatever, I do think the Lakers have found a way to eliminate some of those business considerations from the team dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's still going to be politics to this when you've got guys who've Always. been in the league for a long time Always. and they've got a certain amount of stature. That is, like saying earlier, a big. Someone's reason. not going to be happy. There are guys well, who are not going to be happy at some point. In terms well, that's of the why it's, that they're playing. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's a big deal that Frank Vogel has, you know, the backing of the front office, and presumably with that, the backing of LeBron and AD. Because, for example, Mello is a guy that I'm very interested to see how his playing time uh, progresses moving forward. Because he's he's somebody that, to be totally honest, the more I've thought about it, the more I think. He's more of a great story signing than really a great signing. Like, I don't think he's a bad signing, but no, for he's the minimum, some, stand outside, hit three pointers, sure, and all but that. He, but he's, he's somebody it's not a guarantee that, he's going to play a lot. Right. He's somebody that I've been wondering lately if his roster spot itself might have been better used elsewhere. And they still got a couple of open slots, you know, but like I was thinking about whether a James Ennis type or literally James Ennis himself might be a better use of that slot. Mello, though, has a lot of stature. Yeah. Like, Mel, you know, Mello is somebody who carries a lot of weight wherever he goes. And even at this stage of his career, a, diminishing his role beyond anything he thought he was agreeing to will require some massaging. So it's important that Vogel has, I think, the backing and ability to do that. Yeah, uh, totally agree. Um Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk both said some interesting things as the younger guys on this team as to why they came here that I think is interesting. The stuff with uh, Kuz and his AMA on the uh, social media uh, plays into a lot of this stuff. And uh, so let's let's talk about all that stuff next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Stat Hero. Did you know 85% of people who play daily 
fantasy sports lose. You want to know why? It's because the I, game is rigged. Not. Yeah, the game is rigged against you. It's like one of those carnival games where you try to throw a ping pong ball into a goldfish bowl. Nobody ever wins. And in most it's also fantasy- rigged because the goldfish you win is going to die in about a half hour anyway. Oh, the, the whole thing is a racket. You know, I mean, it's this is how the you know, you know who's behind it, Andy. Big goldfish. I, big goldfish, big carny, all of them. Yeah. Um, well, and in most fantasy sports situations, you're playing against thousands of other lineups, not not to mention experts who have they have more tools, they have more time. You're done. There's a, there's a saying in gambling, if you can't spot this sucker at the table, it's you. And it's the same concept here. And that's why you should be playing Stat Hero. It's the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the players in control and winning within reach. Stat Hero shows you the lineups, and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in head-to-head fantasy matchups. You name your stakes. Winner take all. Stat Hero is showing you the lineups ahead of time. Nobody else does that. So play Stat Hero now. Change the odds. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. Sign up for free right now. You can get three times back on your first play. They're giving you a 300% match. That's unheard of. So go to stathero.com slash locked on. Stathero.com slash locked on. So, Andy, the I, we talked in the last segment about you know guys and roles and and the value of signing players and having players, even if they are a little bit older, who aren't who are past the point in their careers where they're trying to land a big deal. Um, you compromise sometimes on talent there, but fit can can be enhanced there. The two young guys that they brought on, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, I thought were both interesting in terms of. How, you know, when they explained why they chose the Lakers and so much of that to me could be interpreted as I am basically, you know, Monk, especially like I'm a young guy. I realize I'm signing below market. I realize this is costing me money now, but the amount that I can get better and improve by being in this atmosphere, um, it, they both he and none really described this move for them as an investment in their future, giving up current returns on their contract for the ability to um, make more money later by becoming better players. I it's August. How well that holds, if particularly Monk, I think none's playing time is pretty much sealed, but N- Monk is in that mix of guys where I don't I don't know how that's going to turn out exactly. But at least right now, I thought those answers were really were great answers, but also kind of revealing of who these guys might be, because that is a it's a very mature way of looking at your career in totality, particularly for somebody like Monk, who, you know, has been to fair to say all over the place in his first three years. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can be overstated enough what type of risk Malik Monk is taking in, in terms of yeah. in terms of setting up his future. Because as much as you talked about the environment that he thinks he can learn a lot, of, he he talked about wanting to be a Laker in terms of learning, like everything from the actual basketball and all the different things he can learn about becoming a better professional, you know, a better player, you know, all the different things he can learn about that makes you better in your sport to like literally learning more about being a man. Like he actually said, I'm 23 years old. Like there's more I have to learn about just being an adult and being surrounded by all of these adults who have this type of stature, you know, in his profession, he thought he could learn a lot from that being said, like he is, he is potentially setting himself up depending on the way this works 
to not actually be able to showcase everything that he learned and actually put himself financially behind the eight ball. Oh, it's a, for a it's, lot of it his is career. a big bet on himself. It is yeah. a major bet on himself that he may not get to realize, and it may not even end up being his fault. It might just be combinations. No. You know, if Ellington is shooting the way that the Lakers hope, and Monk slips just a little bit. By signing Kendrick Nunn, the need for Monk, a guy who can go create his own shot, do all that stuff. And we're going to talk a lot more. I need, I need more people to explain Malik Monk to me. I think it's a great signing, but I'm not as excited at, at it as I think a lot of fans are, in part because I'm more skeptical about the player. So I, we're going to we're going to get into this. We're going to get into a lot of these guys with with um, with the people who have covered them, but. It, so while I don't know if that investment is going to pay off, to hear a guy at 23 talk that way and recognize, I mean, look, he, he's not wrong. LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, um, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, presumably somebody like Jared Dudley is going to be back. You have Ariza, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington. I mean, These are pros. I mean, if you if you ever needed a place where, as a 23 year old guy, or none is 25, I believe. Where you could come and none is come, none knows. Yeah. None knows from this stuff because he's coming from Miami. So he knows the value of this type of culture. To, to, it says, it says a lot to me about who Malik Monk is that this was so important to him. And I like, I, again, it's a press conference. It's August. They say the right thing. But I, I'm sure he was offered more money somewhere at the very least, could sign to the minimum with places where his path to, Right. 30 minutes a night was a hell of a lot clearer than it is here. I, I was going to say, that for Malik Monk, the big risk is that he had right idea, wrong, wrong approach team. to the idea. Yeah. With none, <laughs> with none too, what I, what I find really interesting about it, uh, beyond his, as you said, seeking to learn more, is that he's a guy that has a taste of winning already. Like, he, he has done nothing but go into playoff runs since the moment he entered the league. He's somebody that's you know, had some turbulence before coming in the league. He's had some serious off-court issues that right. If people he, don't know, there was an issue when he was a, an incident when he was in at Illinois that kept him from being drafted of really awful uh, domestic violence. Yeah, I mean, it got and him so really it, kicked it, it, off it, the team. And to be honest, I didn't. I, I maybe I'd read about it, but I didn't know. Um, yeah, I didn't. know. It either. is not something that I realized until it was pointed out to me. So, like, there are legit serious things in his past that you know people should be aware of and and you know this conversation never stops right but uh the the point being though with, with none like he's he's had a taste of what this team is about and you know the, the idea of trying to grow while being in a winning environment i think is something that you really understand the value of when you've been in that winning environment before mm -hmm. like you know the the money whatever money that that uh none left on the table. I I don't know how significant it would be like in terms of the actual dollar amount, particularly when you take into account how you can raise your profile when you are part of a winning team, when you're part of a team that gets to the finals, gets to a championship. Like that can raise your dollar amount a lot. Like Re Reggie Jackson, this is a perfect example. What he did this off season, it's not just that he played really well in the playoffs, it's that he played really well on a long playoff run with mm -hmm. a very high-profile team in the Clippers. Right, like, I you think know, what he signed, two years, 11 million per? 
Yeah, something like, like that. 11, 12 million per yeah, it's, a, it's a great payday for somebody like him. And, and oh, yeah. That's, abso- that's awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm really, I'm really, really curious. And this may be something we get into specifically with a couple of the mailbag questions, but just in general, I'm really curious with the different ways none may be used on this team because he's he's the most established of any of the young guys that they have. And you know he he's the one that you can look you at, count, and you don't count Baysmore in that group, right? He's not. He's one of no, the. Old, I mean, he's, he's thirty-two. He's middle. I, I, I right. consider him somewhere in the middle, but thirty-two. You're not a young guy. I mean, you're you no. may be a young guy on this team, but that doesn't make you a young guy. It just makes you know you surrounded by a bunch right. of old another farts. guy. He's sort of in that tweener place where like yeah maybe but you know he's pretty much in that one to two year deal, and just what varies is is it a minimum deal or is it a four million dollar deal? It's not. Right. He's not in line anymore for that eighteen to twenty million that he got a few years ago and spurned the Lakers. But I'm, so. but I am really curious to see the the different things that they that they end up deciding they can do with none because he he is among the three and I don't count AD in this obviously AD's a superstar and Baysmore's too old the three truly young guys that they have none is by far again the most established in terms of you know exactly right. You, you have an idea of what he can do. He obviously can still get better. You don't know as much about what TH2 can truly do. And, and Malik Monk, like you said, is kind of a mystery at this point. Yeah. I, I, do think, I, do, I do think Nunn's and what he likes about, you know, Miami, all this stuff with, with Kyle Lowry and all that kind of forced them to, to really let him go. There's a lot of finances going on there. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that happened in Miami with Nunn was like his playing time would go up and down. He'd start and then he'd be out of the rotation. And, they, you know, so he was obviously good enough to play, but then it it just here I think what he does have is a pretty clear path to a nightly twenty minutes. Um, I do think they're absolutely going to experiment with him playing with Russ, not just behind him. Um, I, I think they're going to try all kinds of of funky lineups because uh, Westbrook physically is, I mean, defensively is 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 hit and miss. I think good at some things, not so much at others, but. He physically, he's large enough and strong enough that he can do a lot of different stuff. And and Nunn is a pretty stout guy, even at you know at a at a shorter stature. So they're going to try all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and, and I do I agree with you. I think he could absolutely. I this is my favorite. I know we're going to do something later. Uh, we talk a little about some of the stuff that we're really excited about. Some of our you know maybe our favorite moves, whatever. The Nunn thing to foreshadow a little bit is my favorite signing that they made. I, I love that. Uh, love that contract. I love the pickup. Um, he's just, I think he's a perfect fit uh, for what they could get and what they needed. Um, let's do, let's talk about Kuz. Okay. And then we'll open up the mailbag because the, his responses, I think kind of put a, like a, like a good framing on a lot of the things that we've talked about in this episode. Um, one in particular that you pulled, we'll talk about it next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Bars covered in 100% chocolate. They are soft, they are easy to chew, and they are healthy. They are great for health-conscious people trying to lose or maintain weight, but you still want to be able to eat something now and then that tastes awesome. They're low-calorie, they're low-sugar, they're high-protein, they're high-fiber. They are great for keto diet, folks, and they taste awesome. You've got 12 original flavors like raspberry, coconut almond, salted caramel, banana bread, new flavors like cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake cookies and cream. They just great taste combinations. They're unique. They, they stand out on their own and you're never going to feel like you're getting bored eating the same crap over and over and over because you're trying to get fit. So go to builtbar.com, use the promo code 
LOCKED15. You get 15% off your first order. Again, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on Lakers also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season, it's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online, get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, whether it's baseball, uh, UFC, MMA, or whatever other sports happen during August. Get yourself early in on all those other things for the upcoming NHL and NBA seasons, too. Start early now. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device. Check out all the great sign-up bonuses and contest information. Uh, 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use when you use the uh, promo code Locked On. Again, when you go to the website or your mobile device and sign up, you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts so andy kyle kuzma he got on a i guess it was on a flight uh this yeah, weekend it was had a, a little had a little time to kill and so he put it out there for the people um let's you know let's uh, ask me anything i got some time to kill and uh people responded with their uh their their tweets uh and all that so you know favorite memories what's your favorite memories of laker championship number 17 what food spot in la in la you're gonna miss nobu and malibu i've never been but i'd always kind of want to i could see you said why. there's one in dc but it's just not, it's the, not same the same vibe. it's not the same i, no. I agree um so all probably of that isn't, stuff, to be honest <laughs> you, it's probably, it, is, no. it is difficult to replicate Nobu in Malibu. Malibu. Like, that is really anything in Malibu. Like that, that's not Kuz being a you know, like a diva or you know, like an extreme one percenter. That's just being honest. Well, it, it is it is both. Yeah, <laughs> it is actually both of those things. Okay. Um, the interesting, the most interesting thing is, and I think you have a, a picture mm-hmm. of it. He was asked by uh Kuz Control, obviously a big fan, uh, at Kuz Control, a guy named Yusef. Uh, what can we expect from you in D.C. next season? And his response was, more than I did in the past two years, I can tell you that. Um, and this gets to one of the things that I think has always been true about Kyle Kuzma, is that he believes that he is really goddamn good. Um, and, you know, I remember, was it a couple of years ago when he talked about the All-Star team and Six Man of the Year, I think it was, or whatever, and set the bar incredibly high. And fell well below. <laughs> yeah. But what I loved about that move was it wasn't like other people putting it on him. It wasn't, it was like, this is me. I'm, I'm putting the bar up here and I expect to go cross it. And it didn't work, but he's doing it again here. Like the guy has an enormous amount of confidence in his own ability. And I respect that. Well, it all, it also though speaks to expectations that you have within a certain setting and how you feel like you're being used as part of an overall team goal. In the last couple of years, Kuz has been without, and this is, and this is really important to point out, without complaining, because I don't think Kuzma has been complaining at all. No, but I he's think made there's it, a difference. There's a difference between complaining and, and letting other people know what you think. Right. Like, but he, it he's has being been, honest at times, but he, about right. his role, but not, he did it. He still went out and right. did it. I, that's what I was going to say. It's been very clear that he thinks he could be doing more in a, for lack of a better way of putting it, counting numbers way or, you know, pecking order way, totem pole way than he has been with this team and that he's capable of, you know, doing more star things than he did the last couple of years with the Lakers. 
He also was very outwardly cognizant of these are the things that I need to do. I want to be a part of winning. I know that winning that championship meant a lot to Kuzma. I've talked with him about what it what it meant to him. And, you know, it, it was not lost on him that he was the only one of the kids who remained after the Anthony Davis deal. And, you know, he's the only one of them that has had this type of winning attached to him. Like he's the only one who has been an important rotation player on a championship team. And 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 stuff like that matters. But you know, when you when you have ambition, there's nothing wrong with thinking like, look, I can do more than is than what's being asked of me, particularly when you're like Kuzma and you're entering the prime of your career and you only have so many more opportunities to definitively show it one way or the other. So I I think as long as you do what's being asked of you with the right attitude, and I think Kuz did, if you think you're capable of doing more and you want to do more, and maybe you would be open to doing more in a situation where, like in D.C., he's not going to win a championship. He's not going to come anywhere close to winning a championship. That shouldn't make you think any less of Kuz. Maybe you think he's deluded, like in terms of what he's actually capable of doing, I suppose he'll get that opportunity to show it in Washington, but I don't think it should make you feel any less about him as as long as he was doing the stuff that he needed to with the Lakers, and I thought he did. It to me also too to to kind of bring it back to what we were talking about initially. the The role that Kuz played last year was made easier, and it didn't look. They didn't win a title. It didn't work out. But if if there was a bright spot in terms of guys who advanced as basketball players, it was Kuz. The one thing that he didn't do as consistently as people expected was the scoring aspect of it. But as a basketball player, he got a lot better. Yeah, he did. Um, and part of the reason he was able to do that was because he was paid. They gave him a contract that could make him feel secure. Mm-hmm. Going forward, staying with the Lakers, great. Going somewhere else, great. Everybody like he could feel like I if I if I am asked to do something that is going to hurt my marketability in accounting stats kind of way, and that stuff still matters. I realize people break down numbers, and Alex Caruso got nine million bucks a year because people understand defensive analytics and all that other stuff. But the the counting numbers still make a difference. So yeah. Like it, it gets it matters if a guy puts up eighteen a game, and. You know, Kuz was not in a position to be able to do that. And you could tell he was uncomfortable with it that first year. And by paying him, the Lakers put themselves in a position where they could ask him to do all that stuff and he could do it comfortably. And it, I think it's going to work out for him. And I think he's going to get another similar contract to this one when he's done. And I, I really wish him the best because I think he's a he's a guy who wants to be good and puts in the work. Um, th- that's the difference between him and like Schroeder last year or a difference, is that Kuz had some of that security and Schroeder was still in a business place in a much different spot. And Harold was in a much different spot from a business standpoint. And, you know, when you go back and like when I go back and revisit that trade and my thinking about it, there's, you know, the, the, the alternate world in which the Lakers don't get hurt they go deep in the playoffs. Schroeder doesn't have the disastrous end of the Phoenix series. All that stuff. There's a there's a whole earth too somewhere where it looks like you know what Schroeder played pretty well and like this season went well and you know he looked a lot like the OKC guy when it was all said and done and you know okay go sign a contract in '84 whatever. 
They, they obviously been, didn't have a that. shitty contract. I'm sorry, man. I, I would have been a but, terrible contract for but, the Lakers. But, but, I, but there is a world in which you it could have happened. It, yes. Right. It could have happened. I mean, and it, hell, they tried to make you, it happen. Right. While you think he would have been overpaid, there's no question. I know where you think, where you stand on this. But the, the, the performance wouldn't have left everybody going, are, are you kidding me? Like he, he turned down 84 million and he's going to be lucky if he gets, you know, 25 um over how many years i right, mean i'm not even point. kidding no i know i'm not i'm not trying to, and i'm not making lie but like i sure to play and we'll we'll do a lot on Schroeder once he actually lands somewhere but like he played really hard i mean I, I i really don't have a lot of problems with him on the court i think and you've pointed this out i think a lot and i think we're both pointing to this now as something you look at in hindsight and go this is maybe why things were different last year versus the year before on top of all the other stuff is this is context and the context of Kuzma, who still clearly thinks that he was being limited in what he was uh, able to do as a Laker, even while doing it for good reasons. I think they've worked a little harder to find more of that this year, a better context, yeah, um, than, than they did last. Um, yeah, I will I, say though, one go ahead, one sure. More- one more contextual difference, though, that I think is really important when you talk about this comparison between Kuzma and Schroeder, that I think, if nothing else, speaks incredibly well of Kuzma. Sure. When Kuzma... It's also, it should be noted, it's just a much more likable personality. Well, he's, he, he's a more likable personality, though, let's not twist it. Kuzma has rubbed a lot of people wrong through his no personality. Question. No like, question. Kuzma's personality is not for everybody just because But he's not like German him. Rondo. <laughs> no, he's not German Rondo, but I I think it might be a stretch to say that Kuzma's personality strikes most people as likable. I think He's not he's not Jared Dudley either. Right. I but the first year that Kuzma did this stuff that really was team focused less than he thought he was capable of, whether you agree with him or not. He not only had not gotten his first payday, like mm-hmm. Kuzma was still on his rookie deals when he did this. Yep. Many, many people, including you and me, both thought the Lakers were not going to extend him. The, I agree. The, yeah, the general consensus right. was that Kuzma wasn't going to get an extension but, as opposed to was. But he also was... So, well, well, but, he talked a lot. He he was more outwardly, and I don't even want to say passive aggressively. However, you want to frame it, more outwardly willing to talk about how he but that's wasn't fu- happy but, with but, his role. And stuff. Right, but he still, though, I thought did it with a more professional attitude than Schroeder had. And this is a big difference, though. Schroeder has already banked like ninety million dollars, mm-hmm. versus Kuzma at the time. Had done like seven, and I don't begrudge. I don't begrudge. Sure, I don't begrudge Schroeder for wanting more money. Get all the money you can possibly get. That's not my point. My point is simply when you do that, like Kuzma, when you've yet to even bank your first big deal, and it's looking like that first big deal, you're going to be waiting even longer. Yeah, I think I, it speaks exceptionally I, well to his professionalism in I a way think that so. you didn't see I, I with Schroeder. So. Absolutely. Just, just being honest. My my only point there was that Schroeder's focus on the business part of this is normal let's save the mailbag because you know we want to we don't want to give short shrift to any of these questions whether uh you know the the don cast has a good one for us yeah um, we got some good ones. will power my, my man slut for pudding uh mm. at lakers in my blood left a couple good ones burson uh at at uh Kamineski Brothers. Slut for pudding is a Pornhub category. 
It might be. <laughs> I, but I also, can, I love pudding. I, I also consider myself a slut for pudding. Um, in all, I love Just please pudding. tell me none of it's on Pornhub. <laughs> no, it's private. <laughs> and it should stay that way. <laughs> I'm not a millennial, Andy. I understand that not everything needs to be filmed. I just, I mean, pudding, pudding is really, Some things really delicious. Less than others. It's really delicious. <laughs> um, so I'm very pro pudding. Um, so we'll get to, we'll do a lot of mailbag this week, but we, we, we're, we don't want to do it and, and not give it enough time. So, uh, thanks to everybody again for, for subscribing, uh, for checking out Locked on Lakers on YouTube. Great place to get all the news as it continues to filter in. Uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks.